Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Periodically, we do a nonprofit spotlight. We're doing that today. There are many needs in our communities, and uh, thankfully, many step up to help. And we'd love to shine a light on your favorite nonprofit or individual doing good in your community. So that's what this program is about. We'll be talking to some people we've arranged, but uh, we'd love to have you uh, uh, email in or call in. Uh, and uh, throw, uh, shine a spotlight on your favorite nonprofit or individual doing good in your community. So here's how to reach us upraccess at gmail.com. Upraccess at gmail.com is our email. Upraccess at gmail.com. Or you can call us to 800 826 1495. 800 826 1495. With us for the hour is Amy Anderson, who's Director of Outreach for Sunshine Terrace Foundation and Spiritual Counselor with Sunshine Hospice uh, in Logan. Welcome back to the program. Thanks so much, Tom. It's always so great to be here and hear all of the good things people are doing. It's a, it's a feel-good hour, uh, and we hope the people will participate. Um, let me ask you about Sunshine Terrace, first of all. How are things going? Things are going. I mean, yeah. it, it just like so many organizations, you know, coming out of the, the COVID, uh, I don't want to say nightmare, but, you know, the COVID pandemic has been a struggle, I think, for us, along with other nonprofits and other organizations in our community. But we're, we're holding our own and we are, you know, actively looking for people to come and continue to help care for those seniors that have done so much for us. Talk about people doing good in our community. Yeah, I'm always impressed when I talk to the individuals that we care for as to all the different organizations that they've been involved in, the things they've done, the services that they've provided. It just makes me feel um so glad that I can now in turn serve them um, alongside all of our other staff members. But yeah, we just had a hundredth birthday for one of our residents oh, in wow. Terrace Grove. Wow, and, um, she's just a dynamo. She's a been, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's fun. It's it's so great to be able to hear their stories and kind of lean in on all the things that they've done and learn from them. So yeah. I encourage anyone if you want to come and volunteer at Sunshine Terrace and give back to those individuals that helped make Cash Valley great. Um, you know, give us a call. We'd love to have you come down. All right, so that's an opportunity you can you can volunteer at Sunshine. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Uh, we're gonna, I guess Terrace Grove as well, and the, the other Terrace organizations. Grove, and... um, yeah, Terrace Grove has volunteers mm. come in. One of the things that our residents always enjoy is is music and dance programs. So now, as things have is, have eased up, I'd encourage people just to call and see what they can do. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, well, I think uh, we uh, do have uh, Jill Bennett on the line. Here, uh, we uh, we're going to be talking with uh, uh, the new head of the uh, Utah Nonprofits Associate CEO, uh, Jill Bennett, and I, I believe we do have her on the line. I am here. Now. Hey, uh, oh, good, good, very good. <laughs> Hi, Jill. How are so, you? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, how are you? I'm fine. So wonderful. I understand this is a fairly new role for you. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, so tell us, what is the Utah Nonprofits Association? What do you guys do? We are in the business of building nonprofits, um, and and our goal toward that, excuse me, is to build wonderful, caring, resilient communities. And we know that nonprofits play an integral role in that. So our work is to support the nonprofits that support the communities. And how we do that is we do advocating for um, nonprofits in the legislature. We provide these organizations with training resources, and benefits. Anything we can do to help them spend more time on their mission and less time in administration, we're, we're interested in that. Um, we're also a 501c3, so we have a really good idea of what it takes to run a successful nonprofit. 
and what it means to rely on, on the goodness and generosity of the community to support our work. Uh, you, you were smiling there, uh, Amy Anderson, what it takes to run a successful nonprofit. What it takes, a lot goes into that. Absolutely. And Jill, thank you so much for the service that you've provided. I've had the opportunity. Um, Sunshine Terrace is a member of the UNA, and, and Jill was one of the instructors on a marketing class that I took recently. And um, yeah, it, it, it's a wonderful service that you provide to nonprofits because you're right. There's so much going on. And Often people are wearing so many hats in a nonprofit. You might be the CEO, but you're also directing HR or the board or marketing or fundraising. And so to have an organization like UNA there that you can tap into the resources they have is really helpful. And it it really, truly does help the nonprofit do the work that they want to do because you're doing the work that you're doing. Jill Bennett, I wanted well, to ask you, what's the atmosphere now for, you know, for in the for-profit sector, some, there's some problems, right? The, the, the economy uh, struggles to get uh, enough people to, to staff the operation. Uh, some of those problems bleed over into nonprofits. Yeah, I think there, there's something about when um, when something sneezes, other people get the flu. Um, that's that's the case for nonprofits. When the for-profit sector sneezes, nonprofits suffer even more because we do rely on um, and the economy as a whole and the generosity of people who work for those for-profit organizations. We've seen inflation, staffing changes, supply chain failures, and even changes in donor behavior that have left us all scrambling to keep pace for our services, because at the same time, when the economy suffers, more people rely on nonprofits to help them with whatever needs they have. And it could be health care. It could be caring for senior family members. It could be um, countless, countless things. But when nonprofits suffer, when we don't have the staff, when we don't have the money, that just trickles down and makes everybody, everything more severe and, and more concerning. I noticed you, uh, I went to your uh, webpage, utahnonprofits.org. You have a section on starting a nonprofit. I guess you can help someone if they want to start something up. Yes. We, 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 we're, our help is limited to providing some information. It, starting a nonprofit is a pretty big process, and you might need legal or financial help, and we're neither accountants nor attorneys. Don't pretend to be. So instead, we just give people a path to follow. But it is a big problem, and it's really important. Uh, so tell us about the kinds of uh, nonprofit organizations that are under your umbrella. Um, we serve um, any – there. oh, boy, nerd hat coming on. Um, 501 or, 501c organizations are designated by the IRS. Our members are typically 501c3 organizations, which means we're charitable nonprofits. And that means that if someone were to donate to any of our organizations, that donation would, as long as it met all the other tax requirements, could be um, a a tax-preferred option for them. Um, So we have have organizations that care for, make sure that premature babies whose mothers are unable to nurse them get human breast milk. And we have organizations that take care of people who are unsheltered and in the last days of their lives. So our organizations take care of everything literally from cradle to grave and in between all the other things that we need, which includes inspiration and joy. So we have members that go to um, resident homes and help with music. 
We have organizations that teach people how to dance. We have organizations that dance for the audience. So our, our members are really, really amazing. Um, our, we're a community of nonprofits that provide shelter, solace, joy, inspiration, and nourishment for bodies and souls. Um, our organization speaks for those of us who have been silenced. Um, one interesting fact, Tom, is there are over 10,000 nonprofits in Utah. We employ over 124,000 people, and we earn more than $19 billion in revenue each year. And we've been pretty quiet. So one of my goals as the new, as the new leader for this organization is to help our community find its voice and share it with the people who can help make the community better for all of us. Yeah, that is important. Uh, I'm wondering uh, if I could get a little personal. Uh, wh- why are you in nonprofits? Sure. What, uh, what What's the draw for you? For, for me personally for or you for per- you and I? Uh, for you personally, yeah. Oh, because I love every chocolate there is. And, you know, the, working at UNA means that I get to help lift all the causes that I care about. Um, and one of the other things that, that, that we know is that our causes are, are you, you might think of air quality as a cause, and you might think of employment as a cause, but these things are related. And I appreciate the interdependencies that we, interdependencies that we have. And I also know that if air quality gets bad, then people who live in communities that are less affluent often suffer the consequences more, which means they get sicker, which means they lose their jobs, which means that they fall into a cycle that's hard to break out of. And, and we're all, so we're all related. So things as, as unusual as air quality and where you live and how it impacts your health, I want to create coalitions that let everybody talk about this and come up with solutions. Hmm. Well, how uh, what can people do to, to help? We've, if we've piqued some interest here, what uh, how can people get connected? Well, um, you, you can volunteer, absolutely volunteer. And if you don't have time to volunteer, pick a cause that you care about and donate some money. Um, as I mentioned, inflation is hitting nonprofits hard. Donors have changed their behavior. We're, we're, families are worried about paychecks. Inflation is going up. Going to the grocery store is an adventure, and how much more is it going to cost this week than last? So we understand that, but we also understand that the real benefit of volunteering or of donating financial resources is just absolutely essential to our own happiness. There's all sorts of studies about if you were given $20 or donate $20, you're happier donating $20. So I'd invite people to consider that. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, Well, thank you so much for telling us about Utah Nonprofits Association and uh, for that plug for people to get involved. It's been my pleasure, Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you. Jill Bennett, who's the new CEO of Utah Nonprofits Association. UtahNonprofits.org is the place to go to find them, UtahNonprofits.org. Um, I imagine a lot of what she was saying there, Amy Anderson, resonates with you. You've been involved in nonprofits for yeah, a long time. For a very long time. And, and you know, and organizations, I think... That- like Jill's are so important. You know, here in Cache County, we're fortunate that we have an organization called the Cache Interagency um, Council, which is a loose affiliation of nonprofits that serve um, many of those causes that she mentioned. Um, and they we gather monthly on the last Monday of the month. I believe it's the last Monday. I have to check my calendar. Um, but but currently, right now, um, 
you know, it's it's so good to get together. And as you mentioned, you know, when an economy suffers, nonprofits are often there to help fill in the, the gaps for individuals, but they also have their own needs. So if people are here in Cache County, where there are actually, I think, over like 350 nonprofits alone in Cache County, um, that's a great place to come and network with each other to build that local coalition. And I'm going to assume that there's organizations like that throughout our state as well. Right. Um, and uh, you know what she said about feeling good. If you know, if you need a pick you up, uh, go serve someone. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. One yeah. of our one of our favorite sayings at Sunshine Terrace is, "If you have an empty lot, build a service station." Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, group was here at UPR. Uh, oh, it was a couple months ago. Went down, did loaves and fishes. Oh, it's such a great organization. What a great feeling, right? Yeah, absolutely. Coming out of that, that kind of thing. Yeah, so people who aren't familiar with loaves and fishes, that's a uh, community meal that happens every first and third Saturday. Um, it is its own 501c3, and uh, the First Presbyterian Church of Logan very generously allows that organization to rent space um, to use their commercial kitchen. And so there's a meal served every first and third Saturday from 1130 to 1. Uh, COVID had some impact on that organization as well, but they are back in person serving meals. So if you are either in food poverty or the whole intention of that organization is to build that sense of community, I think so often we we may not understand the person next to us because we haven't had that chance to sit down and really get to know them. And so the founding principle is to break bread around a common table and so we're so pleased that that's able to happen again. So uh, in-person meals are 1130 to 1215 um, primarily. And then after 1215, individuals are allowed to come in and take a meal to go. But prior to 1215, it's just that come in, buffet, get your meal, interact, get to know somebody. And as you mentioned, different organizations are the manpower behind that meal each week. Um, they come in with crowds of 30 to 35 people to prepare the meal, to serve the meal, to clean up the meal, um, and also to interact with the individuals there. Uh, a lot of fun. So uh, loaves and fishes, I, I guess just Google that and you, you can find it. Yeah, I think our, I think the website is um, Logan Loaves and Fishes. But um, yeah, just, just Google it. But again, yeah. every first and third Saturday, you don't need to reserve. You can just walk on in starting at 1130 up until one o'clock and and enjoy a meal with your neighbors. And um, if you have a minute, uh, you know, go. You can even offer to help clean up. That's always the biggest challenge yeah, is, finding, is finding people who want to stick around to clean up. <laughs> right. Because that's a little later in the, yeah. in the day. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, before we go to a break. Let me uh, pull up. An email that we received, we put out the word, of course, and uh, Hilary Shugart from uh, Bridgeland Audubon Society has emailed in. This is what she says, Bridgeland Audubon Society's mission of protecting nature of Utah, the nature of Utah for people and wildlife, got a welcomed boost this year through Mayor Holly Danes and the City of Logan's proclamation to dim the lights for birds at night, an initiative supported by National Audubon and the Environment for the Americas. Light pollution is harmful to human health, confuses animals, and wastes energy. So it really is best to dim the lights for birds at night. So that's the message from uh, from Hillary. And uh, you can find them at the Bridgeland Audubon Society uh, website. Let me pull that up. I'll just Google that. Bridgeland Audubon. Uh, that's how you spell it, right? It's uh, always one yeah, I that's forget right. the spelling, right? <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's, yeah, Bridgeland Audubon, 
uh, .org, fortunatabon.org is where you go for that. So dim the lights at night, uh, a good campaign and a good idea, and uh, help out to Bridgeland Audubon Society. They do a, a you know a great uh, service, including the annual bird count. Yeah, the annual bird count is an yeah. important thing. Well, and I think you know dimming the lights helps us too, right? Because we're able to better see those beautiful stars and things up in in our heavens. So light pollution is a is an issue, I think, for all of us at some level. Yeah. Uh, another another initiative looks like birds, beaver, and water activity page. Um, they got some hiking trails. Um, they support Wild About Utah on Utah Public Radio, so put in a plug uh, for that as well, bridgelandaudubon.org. Um, is there anything you'd like to, to mention before we go to break here? Sure. I think one of the things that helps bring so much joy to Cache Valley during the summer is the concert and lecture series that typically was happening at the Tabernacle since it's under construction. It's been moved to the church house that's just across from Logan High School. But people may not realize that that series is actually sponsored by Cash Community Connections, which is an interfaith and civic organization that's been in place here since um, since September 11th. Um, if people would like to learn more about that organization, they can go to their website, which is cashcommunityconnections.org. But one of the really interesting things that, that happened there is over the last year and a half, you can go and view interviews from different community members here in our area. Um, people such as Miho Everett, Father Joshua Maria Santos, Jimmy Moore, Sabor Sahaley from Angie's, um, Darren Perry. So again, that idea of learning about people who may have a different background, a different faith, different interests, different priorities, so that we can really get to go know our neighbors. They're all relatively short videos, but it's just a great way, again, to kind of learn who else is here in Cache Valley. You know, some of us are newcomers. Some of us have, have been here for generations. But Cache Community Con- Connections' mission is to try to provide those opportunities for people to gather, to learn about each other, and to maybe break down some of those barriers that different faiths, different backgrounds, different ethnicities might present to all of us. So Yeah, that's wonderful. Cash Community Connections. Cash Community Connections, yeah. But yeah. hit any concerts every mm-hmm. uh, day at noon at that church. Um, Mondays are always Utah Festival Opera. I think this week, Wednesday, the Fry Street Quartet, is they're bringing their student camp there. Um, there's a concert this Friday night as well. Every once in a while, there's Friday night concerts. But always free, open to the public, and a great way to just support the musicians um, here in our valley. Well, wonderful. Let's uh, do take a break uh, now. We are uh, doing a nonprofit spotlight. We do this about quarterly, a uh, chance to uh, just uh, notice all the good that's uh, that's being done and encourage that good to be done. If uh, if if you'd like to connect, uh, provide some organizations you might want to connect with and provide service, and uh, perhaps... Give a little publicity. Give a few minutes of, of uh, spotlight to your favorite uh, nonprofit or individual uh, doing good. Here's how to reach us, upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com is our email, upraxcess at gmail.com. We'll have more following this break. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. I'm joined uh, for the hour by Amy Anderson. Uh, who is Director of Outreach for Sunshine Terrace Foundation and uh, Spiritual Counselor with Sunshine Hospice in Logan. We're doing a nonprofit spotlight, and so the idea is you uh, spotlight. You will give you a couple minutes to uh, to tout your favorite nonprofit or individual doing good in your community. We're uh, 
you know, kind of Northern Utah centric. But if you'd like to change that, uh, <laughs> we'd love to hear from you. Uh, here's our email, upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. That's upraccess at gmail.com. Or you could call us to 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. Uh, we're going to learn about the William Bernard Warming Center here shortly. Um, anything you'd like to spotlight before we get there? Yeah, actually, I'd love to. So um, I have the pleasure of living near USU's campus and see the hordes of young adults um, during the summer months who come up for camps and invade Aggie ice cream, which kind of bugs me if I want to grab a quick cone. <laughs> but um, just recently, um, last week, Latinos in Action was there with an overnight camp. And people may not realize this is an organization that actually began in Utah and is now in 12 other states. But their primary purpose is to inspire middle school and high school leaders in the Latino community to kind of recognize what their potential is, what their their power might be as they look at entering college or entering into careers. And um, it's to me, it's just it's a really neat um, blend that USU has done to help support that they bring in students from across the state of Utah. Um, it is a nonprofit. They are throughout, as I mentioned, they're throughout the state here in Cache County. They're at Green Canyon High School, but they're in Davis and Granite and Canyons and Box Elder. So if you know a young individual who has a Hispanic Latino background, I would encourage you to, to learn more about Latinos in action. Um, their number, their statewide number is 385 385- Five two nine five five zero five, but you know they offer programs, service opportunities as well, leadership and service opportunities for youth. Um, I think that's often, as you mentioned, like when there's an empty lot, build a service station. Teaching our youth to do that, especially in today's digital age, I think is really important. So organizations like Latinos in Action, to me, just they bring that um, opportunity across our state and especially here in our community as well through Green Canyon. So, Latinos in action. Latinos Great. in action. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for spotlighting them. Uh, next up, we uh, have, uh, we'll be talking with uh, Nicole uh, Bernard and uh, about the William Bernard Warming Center. First of all, uh, Nicole Bernard, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me on to chat with you today. Am I pronouncing that last name correctly? Uh, it's Bernard. 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 Okay. Pretty close. Yeah. Very close. Okay. Uh, so tell yeah. us about the William Bernard Warming Center. Yeah. So um, I am a graduate student at Utah State University in the social work program, and I've been working in uh, homeless services for about two years now. I'm on the uh, local Bear River Local Homeless Council, and I did my um, practicum undergraduate internship at Bear River Association of Governments, which is our main homeless service provider here. They serve Cash Rich and Box Elder County, so they're serving a lot, a big area. Um, when I was there for my internship, I helped to develop the uh, homeless street outreach team, and we would go out uh, early in the morning with warm hygiene kits, um, warm weather clothing, things like that, trying to find people who are sleeping in their cars or in other places that are, aren't meant for people to stay in. And through my experience with the street outreach uh, team last winter, it was very apparent that um, there's a big health and safety concern for community members who are sleeping in their cars during single-digit temperatures. And and through that, I, I felt that there needed to be some type of action taken. Um, so that's where the 
idea for a warming center came about. Um, I had looked into what other communities are doing throughout the United States and have worked with their some of their executive directors. And the idea of, of the warming center is to provide overnight temporary refuge from freezing temperatures for folks who don't have a safe place to be. Um, this warming center is a temporary solution. It would be running, you know, during the winter months um, and just during the overnight hours, but it would be a safe place for people to come um, and, you know, get out of the cold and maybe get a snack, some blankets and, and other things that they might need. Um, but we, we received funding for this project. I applied for the Ivory Prize, which is funded um, by a private foundation for a student leader who's working in their community. Uh, so I was grateful to be awarded that prize, and that allowed us for $10,000 of funding to help get this project off the ground. So um, currently, I, I put together a board of people. Um, Amy Anderson is actually uh, one of my board members, and I greatly appreciate her support. Um, and, and right now, we're just working to finalize a lot of the details. Um, we're still working on finding the location. We're, you know, we're talking to a couple of places. We're just looking into requirements, you know, for zoning and planning and things like that. Um, but I'm just, I'm excited and I'm grateful to be able to, you know, just be taking this on um, and bringing something to our community that is, that will fill a really large need. So Nicole, um, are you still looking for your AmeriCorps employee or has that position been filled? Yeah, we are still looking. I believe we we had one. Uh, we've had one applicant so far, um, but again, we are looking for this position. Uh, it's a great. It has some great benefits. I can probably, if I could pull it up, I could tell people where to go um, for that. Um, but this would allow for us at the warming center to have a year long uh, employee that's able to work forty hours a week. That's paid for through like a federal grant program. Um, and it would just, it would really help uh, ensure the success of the warming center uh, for this winter season. I mean, to me, this is such an important thing for our community to address, Um, and I was just excited when Nicole asked if I would be willing to help with this, because, you know, we do live in a very cold weather state, and for those individuals who may have helped with the homeless count, which happens every January, I've had the opportunity to do that the last few years as well, you know, you realize that, you know, someone might have a vehicle that they're they're sleeping in. And so many individuals here in Cache County might be intermittently struggling with housing. And as we see rents go up and um, employment opportunities, even though they're abundant, sometimes people are in that position where, for whatever reason, they no longer have um, shelter for the night. But to me, it would be such a tragedy if in our community we had somebody who... Um, who had a severe health issue or even died for for lack of that ability to just find a place to stay warm. You know, right now we've had some heat emergencies here in the state and, you know, there's been cooling centers, you know, to help individuals who might be at risk for, for overheating. I think it's only appropriate that in the winter when we're really cold that we have a place as well that people can go in the evening to stay warm, to stay safe, um, to give them that, that security blanket for the evening. Mm. Uh, so how best to, to contact if, if you want to help? Um, what, how, well, how best to help? It, money, I guess? You wouldn't you wouldn't turn away money? <laughs> yes. So we are still getting that process set up, and I will be sure 
to get that information out to media sources and um, other agencies. But I've just, I created a temporary email for now, um, and that, if you want to go ahead and email for more information, it's safety, warmth, and care, spelled out, at gmail.com. Hmm. Safety, warmth, and care at gmail.com. Yes. Okay, that's uh, the, the, they can contact you and I guess uh, connect with you and uh, and uh, and help. Thanks so much, Nicole, yeah, for for being an yeah. active member of our community too, and and bringing this to us. Nicole was raised here in Cache County and left for a while, and I think has you know recognized that you know it's, it just takes one person, and I think that's the really amazing thing about this is it's taken just this one person who said, "Hey, there is a need here in our community. Something needs to happen." So as we talked earlier in the program about starting a nonprofit, that's that's the that's the place Nicole is at. Mm-hmm, She's mm-hmm. pulling together a board and a team and is going to be applying for that nonprofit status. But you know, you you don't always it can always start with just one, right? Yeah. So it's one person seeing the need. So Nicole, thank you so much. You're welcome. Just really quick, I I am from Cache Valley and I think this is just important to know. I'm we're naming the center after my grandfather, uh, mm. William A. Bernard. He went by Bill Bernard. A lot of people here would know him that way. But he lived in Newton, and he was a butcher for many years. He worked at Smith's on 400 back in the like late 90s. And he had a work injury, so he ended up not being able to do that any longer. So he went back to school at Utah State University and graduated in social work um, back in early 2000s. He was, I believe, 55 at that time. Um, and then he actually was the first director of the Children's Justice Center here in Cache County. Oh, and he helped get, yeah, yeah, he helped get it off the ground um, and worked with them for two years. And then uh, he was doing a home remodel project and he had an injury and then he got prescribed opiates. And then a couple other things, you know, really hard things happened to him. And right at that same moment, and he started really struggling with um, mental health issues and just some substance use, and he did get a DUI, so he wasn't able to continue his work at the Children's Justice Center. Um, Unfortunately, towards the end there, he was living out of his car because he couldn't leave the Mm -hmm. state um, where, you know, my father lived and could have provided him a place to live, and because of his marriage, he couldn't go back home. So unfortunately, he did end up living out of his car, and then in the middle of February, he did end up um, dying by suicide. And that is probably um, another reason why I'm so passionate about this and why I think, you know, what if there would have been a warming center, a place he could have gone to just be around other people during that, you know, that cold winter night. But um, I'm really glad that I can help uh, remember him in this in this way, So because he really did do wonderful things for this community. And I think that's something people don't realize is we are all a few hard times away from homelessness, you know, if we don't have a good support system um, or the tools we need to get back on our feet. So. Well, it's a, it's a great way to honor him, and uh, thank you for the great work in, in, in uh, yeah, starting this well, up. thank you. Uh, so we've been great. talking with thank you so much. Nicole Bernard with the William Bernard Warming Center. Um, thank you. Appreciate it. Let me, uh, before we go to another break, um, let me uh, read this email, which has come in. Um, this is from um, Ted Chalfont. 
Uh, Little Lambs Foundation for Kids is truly honored to be chosen, along with three other incredible nonprofits here in Utah, to receive the Governor Cox's inaugural Spirit of Service Award. This is a huge honor, and we couldn't possibly do this important work without our community. Here's what the governor said. We really wanted to take an opportunity to recognize individuals and groups who are making a difference in our community through acts of service. Now everyone being recognized today is the reason Utah leads the nation in volunteerism and charitable giving. Uh, that was part of the, uh, the the award ceremony and Little Lambs Foundation for Kids uh, here in uh, Logan was uh, was honored as one of those organizations. So congratulations to you. Uh, they have a lot of needs, and uh, so you can contact them. Uh, just Google Little Lambs Foundation for Kids. Um, let's take another break, and uh, we'll be right back with more nonprofit spotlights. Hope to hear from you as well, upraccess at gmail.com. I've got another email um, that we'll get to after the break. You're listening to Access U Time, Tom Williams. Uh, periodically, about quarterly, we do a nonprofit spotlight. That's what we're doing today. And we have with us for the hour Amy Anderson with Sunshine Terrace Foundation. And uh, uh, having driven up to the studio and in studio now with us is Wendy Hassan with Cash Arts. Thank you for, for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. We'll uh, we'll get your microphone uh, dialed up here. Um, we'll uh, we'll bring you into just a sec. I want to um, I want to go back to Little Lambs Foundation. For those who don't know, I realized I just said their name. Uh, people who don't know maybe don't know what they do. <laughs> so um, their yeah, mission, they don't raise lambs. They, they don't raise lambs. No, <laughs> no, they <laughs> they don't. Uh, they, they provide uh, care kits, right? right. And for uh, for children for, going into foster care, yeah. and they also provide a diaper bank yeah. and a formula bank, which has just been you know really amazing, um, especially during during COVID. Um, they do diaper drives so people can donate, and they have days that they that they hand them out. And um, yeah, they're a fabulous organization and relatively new. I want to say they've only been around for what maybe four years. Yeah, it's, it hasn't been very long. Yeah, so they do a lot of great. Work little lambs of Utah, uh, dot org is where you contact them if you want to help out to with that uh, great mission. And I want to um, we had an email from uh, Sarah um, who uh, wanted to tout Athletics United, and uh, and she provided the email. So Athletics United is a nonprofit organization based in Logan. Uh, they say their mission is using sport to provide a supportive environment for new American families to integrate with local communities for personal, physical, and social growth. And so through weekly activities, athletics practice, and library nights, we foster teamwork, teach athletic skills, offer tutoring, and have fun. Our goal is to create a safe space for all participants to foster friendships, build trust, and strengthen community. And they say they rely on generous donations of our local community to do uh, uh, to, to accomplish the mission. Do not charge anyone to participate. And so I'm just reading through their website, which is kind of a nice website. Uh, we're looking for enthusiastic volunteers to commit time and energy to work with children of our community. Volunteers keep us uh, help us to keep the uh, coach to participant ratio small for more individual attention, which results in better engagement. As a volunteer, you'll help run weekly practice sessions and track meets and, of, uh, and or offer tutoring, as well as serve as inspiring, motivating mentor for young people. If you're interested in volunteering, please click below. And uh, I'm reading from athleticsunited.us. Athleticsunited.us, where'd I go? That sounds, I have not heard of that organization. That sounds awesome. You can also donate there as well. So uh, that's I hadn't heard of them as well. So thanks, Sarah, for uh, uh, alerting us to Athletics United. 
And you can uh, spotlight your favorite nonprofit at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. So, uh, Wendy, um, tell us about Cash Arts. Absolutely. Yeah. Cash Arts is uh, short for the Cash Valley Center for the Arts. We are the custodians of three Logan City-owned historic cultural arts facilities, which is a fancy way of saying the Ellen Eccles Theater, the Bullen Center, the Thatcher Young Mansion. There are two other historic theaters in Logan, Utah, uh, that are very interesting. But I think kind of bridging here from that art side, a fun thing to note is that Utah is number one in the nation for volunteerism. Uh, we are also number one in the nation for the number of adults who engage in art-making activities. So if anybody out there is not getting involved, I think this is a great reminder to check out and see wherever you are in the state. There are amazing arts organizations where you can participate, volunteer, create, and, uh, and experience good community. Uh, so how are arts organizations doing? I know COVID, COVID hit hard. It hit hard and it's still hitting. You'll yeah. see some dialing back up and down of restrictions, some shows being maybe canceled for a minute and hopefully coming back. So keep an eye out. Keep in touch with your arts organizations. Buy tickets because everyone I've talked to is honoring those at later dates. And it, it sure means a lot to us that audiences are continuing to come out, continuing to support us, and realizing we're doing the best we can given whatever circumstances we have. Uh, so what's the best way to support an arts organization? Buy a ticket, I guess. Attend. That, that's, that's, <laughs> attend. Yeah, yes. And if you're not ready to come back yet, buy a ticket for a friend or yeah. buy a, a future ticket when you think you might be ready to. Or almost all of the organizations I know certainly accept contributions as well. And many of us also utilize volunteers. At the Ellen Eccles Theater, we have an usher corps of 150 trained volunteer ushers who are they're efficient, they're courteous, and I think they're having fun. They look mm. to me like they are. <laughs> They're always smiling when I see them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so what's next for uh, Cash Valley Center for the Arts? Well, right now, okay, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. The Ellen Eccles Theater turns 100 years old in March of 2023. But backing up to now, we are at the height in Logan, Utah. And I know this is the case throughout the state as well of our summer art season. So we have three musical theater companies in town. We have uh, classical music. We have um ballet, we have modern dance, all kinds of things happening all year round. But the professional companies are in full swing. Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater has all five of their main shows open with Tenderland opening in a week or two. You've got lyric repertory with four shows in rolling repertory. You have five free concerts a week at a church across from Logan High School that you can attend, and that's not related to budget at all. You can just come to those Fry Street Quartets, Chamber Music Festival just opened last Wednesday. There is no shortage of amazing arts activities to get out and enjoy right now. I've already got my tickets for Tenderland. Um, this is uh, Aaron Copeland, w wonderful uh, short opera. And they're doing it out on a farm. They're doing it out on a farm. Yeah, so <laughs> pray for no rain, I guess. That's, that, I have that, my uh, tickets. Yeah, I can't wait to see how they pull it off. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll be great. Uh, we are blessed here at Cash Valley with, with, with arts. Uh, but they, we can't take it for granted, right? We need, need to Definitely support. Definitely not. I mean, the Ellen Eccles Theater turns 100 this March. The Lyric turned 100 quite a while ago. And the Utah is, you know, 15 years away from their 100th anniversary. These are investments that were made by people 150 years ago that we need to continue to treasure, that we need to continue and fill. I would put 
Logan and actually Utah up against any other community for the support of our sponsors, our audiences, the talent that that has allowed to grow and flourish here, and for the nature and quality of our facilities. It's it's amazing and, and very, very well supported. But one of my favorite things about it is that in 2016, we did an Americans for the Arts Economic Impact Study. Our intent was to show we bring in money to the community. Uh, this is why you do those sorts of things. We did it. Salt Lake did it. Uh, Iron County did it. And we bring in $31 million in in kind of generated revenue from others coming. But the finding that surprised us was that over, we collected 1,600 audience intercept surveys over the course of a year, all throughout the 84321 zip code. And People coming from out of area tended to be more well-heeled. They were, a quarter of them were in the highest income bracket we measured. But of the locals, a full quarter, the highest percentage we collected were from the lowest income bracket that we measured. So we're serving our locals. We're serving folks across the economic spectrum. And we are fiercely proud of that. Oh, that, that's a reason to be proud. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so, Amy Anderson, we have about four minutes or so left. Uh, any others you'd like to spotlight here? Well, I, one one thing I think that's coming up is, you know, Pioneer Day is going to be vast, you know, quickly on our, on, on top of us. Um, every year, the local Logan Lions Club does a fundraising breakfast from 730 to 10 at Willow Park. So I'd encourage people to come out and support that. You know, the Lions are a service organization. There's there's chapters throughout Cache County, but that fun that breakfast is always a lot of fun. You can get sausage and eggs and, and kick off your day before you do all of the other activities. Um, I think that's an important organization to, to note. The Cache Valley Cruise Inn, people always forget that that's one of our local nonprofits. They've been around since 1982. They brought almost 30,000 people here and I think over 900 cars this year. So another great contributor to our economy as a nonprofit, so I'm always so proud to hear the support that they get and the number of people from out of state as well as in state that come in and support that. I'll give a shout out for Sunshine Terrace. We're doing our annual fundraiser August 18th um, out at um, Mount Naomi Farms and Vineyard, I think is their official name. Uh, but if people are interested in coming to that, we're going to have the Blue Blazers, which is a little local um, band that plays fantastic music. It's a fun night of dancing that helps support the Sunshine Terrace Foundation. So if people are interested in that, give Lila Geddes a call at 435-754-0203 and, and get your tickets. It's 50 bucks. But again, help support those individuals that help make Cash Valley great. Oh, that's wonderful. I just want to mention a few of these uh, other organizations that won uh, the Governor's Awards. I didn't know he had a, uh, you know, a service awards, but uh, that's a great thing that he's doing. Uh, and uh, we heard from uh, Ted with Little Lambs. They won one of the awards. Uh, so Kristen Diaz de Leon created the Rancho Market Vaccine Clinics, uh, I think, in the, the Salt Lake area. She unfortunately passed away from lung cancer, but before oh, wow. she did, she, she instituted this. Uh, Artes de Mexico in Utah creates cultural awareness, provides uh, diverse perspectives. You're shaking your head. You're familiar with them? Oh, Wendy, yeah, wonderful. Uh, Little Lambs Foundation for Kids, we talked about them. Uh, Andalyn Chambers is a 10-year-old. Uh, she asked for donations rather than birthday gifts and has donated more than 1,000 items to local homeless shelters, domestic violence shelters, and Christmas box house. Um, and by the way, if you go to the governor's website, you can find a, videos of all these. Uh, Andalyn just looks adorable uh, on her video clip here. Um, I'd like to say that's what I did as a kid, but I'd be totally lying. <laughs> I wasn't as giving as Andalyn is, so, mm -hmm. so congratulations to her. Um, Lenise Peterman is a volunteer mayor of Helper. 
she was nominated for working tirelessly on behalf of her community, being a key volunteer for City Revitalization Committee, writing grants for the city, uh, securing key partnerships, acting as a mentor to uh, changemakers. Rough Haven Crisis Sheltering Center works to prevent individuals from having to surrender their pets by providing shelter when someone is experiencing a crisis, temporary hardships, or medical emergencies, and more. Emily Rojo Mendoza, tutors fellow Kearns High School students, helps at Food Bank, serves as president of My Kearns Evidence to Success Youth Council, another great uh, youth out there. Uh, Moab Multicultural Center works to help homeless uh, find a place to sleep and make sure the less fortunate families in Moab get food uh, for dinner. And uh, Ken Vaughn III, who's been in a wheelchair for 20 years, is an active volunteer board member and webmaster for uh, nonprofit Chairbound Sportsman helps raise and coordinate outdoor adventures for disabled persons. So just wanted to give a uh, shout-out to those who uh, were nominated for the Governor Cox's uh, Governor's Spirit of Service Award. That's amazing. Oh, wow. We just have uh, about uh, about two minutes left. So, Wendy Hassan, anything else you'd like to mention? Oh, so I hope we've talked about Canyon Jams. Canyon Jams are also coming up. And ExploreLogan.com is a great way to find out upcoming events that are happening in Logan that support your local nonprofits. And NowPlayingUtah.com when it comes to those nonprofits across the state that are having any kind of cultural event. Wonderful. Amy Anderson, anything you'd like to mention? So one of the organizations that I think is really special to our community is the American West Heritage Center. And they're often kind of one of those forgotten nonprofit gems. And they're open Tuesday through Saturdays right now from, I think, 11 to 4. So if you'd like your child to get more engaged in living history and learning about the roots, Tom, you mentioned you just did a a hand cart trip. Um, That's you know, right. They're taking yeah. applications, I think, already for next year for oh. for their the program that they run. Yeah. But you know what a great thing that that's been here since the '90s. Um, you know, for Logan to have that chance to kind of touch base and connect a, a nonprofit. They, I know they're always looking for volunteers to help with their with their events and their activities. And, um, yeah, and they just, have a concert series, too. They have summer. a concert series, too, this summer. Yeah, the arts is everywhere <laughs> in, Cash, in Cash Valley. That is that is certainly true. But, yeah, they're just, I don't know, we, we have so many unique and special nonprofits. And I think sometimes people think of a nonprofit as um, we don't always recognize the breadth of, yeah. of the services that are provided by nonprofits here in our community. Uh, it is a wonderful thing, and if you'd like to get involved, uh, we, we suggest you contact any of these organizations. There, there are lots of needs, and you can get involved and, and uh, really lift your day, week or month or year, right? Absolutely. Um, well, uh, thank you so much. Amy Anderson, Sunshine Terrace Foundation, has been with us. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I always I always love this. We could do this every week if you we, wanted we, to, we Tom. Could, we could. <laughs> yes, we could. <laughs> uh, we, we love doing this show. And uh, Wendy Hassan from Cash Valley Center for the Arts has joined us here. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening to Access Utah. Our library has closed, sort of anyway, and only temporarily. It's closed as we know it and operating currently on a special basis for pickup only. I'm excited about this, actually, because when it reopens, it'll be a beautiful new space. It's an upgrade long overdue and will be an asset to our community. However, when I received the email with the closing date for the current building just weeks from then, I got a little emotional. And then emotional again when I saw the old building come down, a blank space where it was, erasing another memory from this adopted town of mine. This library is where we met with family every week, every summer of my child's young years. 
We ran to the entrance, meeting cousins that we had seen recently, not that it mattered, and rented movies and books and earned prizes. It's where he learned to love learning and reading and, not going to lie, to patiently wait as every Wimpy Kid book was released. It was a welcome treat to break up the endless summer days with a preschooler and young child, even when the air conditioning was refusing to work. A problem more often than not in recent years, and one of the issues, if I were to guess, most everyone is excited to see remedied. This is the library where I escaped during a bad marriage and found quiet corners to gather thoughts. Young, poor, and in college, I could easily walk and spend hours trying to figure out my life and where it was going. I could grab a book, or more than likely, a stack of magazines in all their 90s glory and avoid home. I could dream of better days, one that included my book, someday, somehow, gracing their shelves. This is the library I went to while studying in college, my favorite pizza place conveniently next door. I'm not certain why I preferred the local library to the big, imposing one on the hill of campus, but I did. If I could, I would always opt to walk downtown and slip into the front doors, the ones that became the back doors, and were permanently locked after an upgrade, the ones facing a large water feature that became the flower bed, the ones that allowed me to slip in and out as needed, close to a bus stop, to take me home again. This is the library where, upon returning as an adult, I had my first brush with a writer's group, a group of strangers sitting at a table all focused on the same goal, to make sense of the words we write and then shuttling them out into the world. There were so many dreams launched and crushed sitting at that long, deep mahogany conference table situated in a room too fancy for what the building had become. As plans emerged for a new library, I saw a continual theme of disgruntled letters to the editor and comments on our city's posts. It seems a faction of people believe that a library is outdated and unnecessary, taxpayer money better suited to other things. It also seemed that many thought the old building was good enough and should be left alone. I thought back to the building, a patchwork of old and new, a series of good enough for nows slowly becoming not at all good enoughs. The aforementioned back doors that were once front doors and the temperamental air conditioning. I thought of grand libraries I had been in, New York definitely comes to mind, and ones that are small and make do. Everyone has the same purpose, to allow the public access to information of every different kind. I cannot fathom a time when access to information will ever be outdated and unnecessary. I cannot fathom a time when parents in the trenches of young parenthood won't gravitate towards story times and puppet shows and small tables and chairs piled with too many books by wide-eyed kids meeting their cousins every week to show off new books and old books and favorite books and DVDs of Peep in the Big Wide World and for that hour hold the entire world of possibility in them as they turn in their reading slip for their weekly prize. I cannot fathom a city's heart without a meeting space for just starting out writers and corners for the concerned needing help or a quiet space. Our library is currently closed, but when it opens back up, I cannot wait to burst through the doors once again. This is Tanya Gibson for She Goes On.